This is Books of Titans, the podcast dedicated to the influences of influencers. The books that have helped shape prominent inventors, business leaders, athletes, intellectuals, scientists, and others. We'll talk about what makes these books such classics and at least attempt to have an intelligent discussion about what makes them so important and influential. Hello, this is Eric Rostad coming to you right outside of Nashville, Tennessee. Today, I'm going to cover one of my all-time favorite books, Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. This is book 27 of 52 for my 2019 reading list. This episode will consist of three segments. First will be a brief introduction to the book, the author, why I read it, and my initial reaction. Second segment will be a few of my favorite things about the book. And the third segment is the one thing, my one key takeaway. So on to segment one, the author Clive Staples Lewis, better known as C.S. Lewis, born November 29th, 1898 in Belfast, Ireland, passed away November 22nd, 1963 in Oxford, England. That is the same day that JFK was assassinated, the day that he, that C.S. Lewis passed away. During his life, he wrote more than 30 books, the Chronicles of Narnia probably being the most famous, and that is a series of seven books most commonly known as children's books, but are also beloved by adults around the world as well. That's how I came in contact with C.S. Lewis. I remember when I was a little kid, I would I would try to get through some of the, the Chronicles of Narnia books. Um, some Actually, some of my earliest memories of reading are, are the Chronicles of Narnia. So I've been with C.S. Lewis my entire life uh, in terms of him being an author that I've read. But I didn't know about his other books, uh, more along the Christian apologetics line of, of works. Uh, I didn't know about those until uh, late high school, early college, and then I, I started gobbling those up. So Mere Christianity, the, the book I'm covering today, was was one of those I, I first read in in college. And some of his other books that are are that he's well known for on on that line are The Screwtape Letters, The Problem of Pain, and A Grief Observed. Some of his other fiction work are uh, in, include the the Space Trilogy and then also Till We Have Faces. And if you've listened to any other episodes of the Books of Titans podcast, I talk about Till We Have Faces quite often. That one that one comes up quite a bit. The the kind of the main line that we get the title from that book is is very powerful and and I reference that quite quite often. C.S. Lewis was a lay theologian, meaning that's not necessarily what he studied, but uh, he had a conversion. To Christianity in his life, and and after that, uh, wrote about wrote about it quite quite often, and was just a, a brilliant thinker, and was able to take complex ideas and put them into a, a format that was somewhat understandable. I, I mean, I, I remember when I would first read C.S. Lewis, uh, the the apologetic works, and I would have to read every page like three times just because it it took a while to to get through, but. Um, he, he held academic positions in English literature at both Oxford and Cambridge and was famously part of the Inklings, which included J.R.R. Tolkien. So if you can imagine this, uh, C.S. Lewis, J.R.R. Tolkien, Charles Williams, and other authors would get together weekly. They'd go for walks, but they, they would also meet at pubs in Oxford and they would read each other their works that they were that were that they were working on. So Lewis would read uh, Narnia, J.R.R. Tolkien would read from The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit and they spurred each other on. One of the books I read last year was Bandersnatch and that that went through 
the story of the Inklings and, and how they impacted each other. And it's just fascinating. I mean, I can't imagine to have been a fly on the wall in, in one of those pubs to, to hear the discussions, to hear them reading their works and to, to hear the interaction and, and well, what if you did this? What if you did that? It just must have been incredible. And in some of the, the best-selling novel series of the 20th centuries came out of that. The Lord of the Rings, Narnia, The Hobbit. We, we know them as, as major motion pictures now as well. Uh, but the, the, this came out of a, a small group of, of guys that, that knew each other. That's just so cool. Some of the most popular quotes that C.S. Lewis is known for, uh, and I, I highlight these because I've talked about them in a lot of Books of Titans episodes as well as Jason has as well. The first one, true humility is not thinking less of yourself. It is thinking of yourself less. C.S. Lewis would have a lot of these kind of quotes where it just twist the words around a little bit and but have a profound, profound meaning like that. Second one, someday you will be old enough to start reading fairy tales again. And that's one that Jason has has quoted back at me when uh, when I've said that I haven't enjoyed some of the some of the books. Uh, maybe more on the fiction or, or fairy tale side. He'll he'll quote that one to me, which is which is quite funny. And the third one, uh, which we haven't covered in in any of the the episodes, but just kind of along Lewis's line of thinking, you don't have a soul; you are a soul. You have a body. Again, just kind of taking phrases, twisting them around a little bit, and, and but really making you think. So as for the book I'm covering today, Mere Christianity, here's, here's the structure of it. It was actually adopted from a, or adapted rather, from a series of BBC radio talks that Lewis gave between 1941 and 1944. So imagine this is in the midst of World War II. You've got Churchill, you've got London getting bombed, and Lewis is going on the BBC and giving these lectures. And you can actually, I, I, I'll, I'll link to it in the show notes, but you can listen to one of the, one of the lectures that, that survived. Uh, with it being wartime and, and things being rationed, a lot of the tapes, original tapes that were used to record Lewis's talks were recorded over to, to record something else. And so there, there, there are very few, I, th- I think actually maybe only one survives. And, and you can listen to that uh, on YouTube. And it, was, it was neat to hear Lewis's voice and I actually opened to the chapter in the book uh, that where he was speaking and, it, and it's word for word. So that's one thing to note if, if you do read this or if you have read the book is that this was actually given as, as lectures first. And so you may even consider getting a, an audio version of this book because that's originally how it was was transmitted. But I, I find the book to, book version to be be very good as well. The structure of it is is it's in it's broken up into four, pieces and uh, or four books the first one and this is an amazing amazing title right and wrong as a clue to the meaning of the universe i mean if that doesn't make you want to jump in uh i, I don't know what other kind of uh title that he could have done there that that would would be more intriguing book two what christians believe book three christian behavior and book four beyond personality or first steps in the doctrine of the trinity I actually have some of these books as separate. So, for instance, uh, I have Beyond Personality, which is book four of Mere Christianity. I have that as a separate book. And so it's very thin. And then I also have another book that combines books one and two, which is 
more commonly known as the case for, for Christianity. And those were talks that he gave in 1942 on, on BBC. So all these things are put together into one book. And what Lewis is really trying to do here is to write about the common faith that unites all Christians, mere Christianity, the, 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 the most basic, the, the major parts of Christianity, not the minors that get people in discussions and disagreements and cause the splits in, in different uh, different versions of, of Christianity, uh, different denominations. But, but here's, here's traditionally what most Christians believe. But it's, it's interesting. He, he starts it from not necessarily like a thus saith the Lord type of here's what's in the Bible, but he, he starts from morality. And that's where we get that right and wrong is a clue to the meaning of the, of the universe. And then, and then takes it from there as to how things would, would kind of logically move forward. So it's, it's a, it's a book, uh, at least for me that it, it takes me a while to get through it. Uh, I have to read some of the paragraphs twice, uh, even three times sometimes to, to really understand what he's saying, but it, it's, it kind of follows this lo- logical pro- progression of, of this, uh, if this is true, then, then this would be true. Then this would be true. Then this is how we ought to live if this is true. And I, I, I enjoyed it. It's, it's a, it's a neat book in, in that way. It's also one that gets into habits of the soul, not just daily habits of, of, being more productive or that, that kind of thing, but, but habits of the soul. And I'll get into that later in the episode, but, um, it's, it's a deeper book in, in, in that sense. As for who suggested it, um, it's, it's a classic. I, I, it's one of those I suggested to myself. Uh, usually at this part of the episode, I'll, I'll talk of, of, if I've heard about this book somewhere or on a podcast episode or something like that, I'll, I'll, I'll give the source of where I first heard about it. But I, I, I've heard about this one for my whole life. This is my thir- third time reading the book, uh, but it's my first time reading it in, in nearly 20 years. So it's it's amazing to be reading it again after that amount of time and for the influence that this book has had on my life. It was really neat to to revisit it. The last time I read it was on August 14th, 2000. And I know that because I wrote that in the book. And I also know it because that's when I was studying at Oxford for a summer and I bought the book and I read it in one of the pubs where Lewis and Tolkien used to hang out. And so that was, that was a neat, neat experience. Uh, but that's the last time I read the book. And it, it was also fun just to see the things that I had highlighted uh, when reading it at, at the pub uh, last time around. The reason I was in Oxford was because I wanted to study where C.S. Lewis had taught. At that point, he had had such an impact on me and the books that I, that I had read of his that I wanted to walk around Maudlin College where he taught. I wanted to go to the pubs where he and Tolkien hung out. And I, I wanted to learn more about Lewis. And so I went there and I took, I took other courses, but, um, but, but the main reason that got me to Oxford in the first place was to, to just get closer to Lewis. He'd, he's had such a profound impact on my life my, my reading journey, uh, my faith. I, I would say he's probably the author that's had the biggest impact on my life. And so that's why I was in Oxford. That's why the last place I read this book before uh, just reading it again here recently. I read it from July 10th through the 14th of 2019. So uh, I'm recording this the 18th. So that was four days ago when I finished. 
The book took me four days to read. It's a 191-page book, so 48 pages a day. Took six hours, 30 minutes, 42 seconds, or two minutes and three seconds per page. Again, I, I share this so that you kind of have an idea of, of what it would take you time-wise to read it. You'll pro- you would probably get through it faster because, like I said, I would have to read a lot of paragraphs two and three times. In my initial reaction to the book, it's just, it's one that I love and it, it transports me when I read it. It, 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 it was like I was back in Oxford. It was, it was like I was back, uh, kind of reliving these, these ideas and things that, that I'd come across in that had such an impact on me 20 years, 20 years ago. And in fact, the book I read before mere, mere Christianity was, um, was one by George MacDonald, where C.S. Lewis does the foreword for that book. And Lewis talks about MacDonald as having an impact on him to where when Lewis would read MacDonald's books, he said it would elevate him. Elevate in the sense of, of make him want to be a better man, uh, make him want to move forward in a, in a different way. And that's the sense I get when I read mere Christianity. It, it's, it's a book that elevates. It's, it's, it's the best way that I can describe it. It's the way that Lewis talked about MacDonald. As for who should read the book, I'd say if, you, if you're interested in checking out what, what Christians believe, this book does a good job of, of describing mere Christianity. I mean, the, the, the kind of the basics of, of what, what Christians believe, but takes it more from, a, from that starting with the moral law and, and, uh, or natural law and, and going from there. So it's kind of a neat, neat take on it. Uh, if, you're, if you are a Christian, it's, it's kind of one of the classics of, of Christian nonfiction. And if, if you've enjoyed other, other of Lewis's works, I, I think you'd enjoy giving this one a try. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, welcome, and thanks for checking it out. I just want to take a few minutes to describe the project. I started Books of Titans in 2017 because I needed help picking out the best books. I came across Tim, Fo- Tim Ferriss's Tools of Titans, hence the name of this project, Books of Titans, and that really got me started. In that book, Ferris highlights some of the world's top performers, and he goes over their favorite books and the books that they have gifted out to others the most. So I figured maybe, hey, if, if these people have, have read these books and they had such an impact and they're top performers, maybe, maybe there's something special to these, to these books. So of that list, I chose 52 of the books and I decided to read one of those per week. I've continued that of 52 books a year and now I'm in, in year three of it and I'm, right now I'm reading book 29 out of 52 for, for 2019. I don't still get all the, the list of books from Tim Ferriss, so, but I get them from a variety of, of different places and hearing from what other people are reading, uh, maybe books, trips to the bookstore, something that, that strikes my fancy, suggestions from friends, suggestions from, um, from others. And so I just compile a list every year of, of 52 books and, and it's such a joy. It's, it's a really fun project. So why am I doing this? It's really, I'm, I'm seeking truth. I'm, I'm seeking what the world's best authors have written. I'm seeking to f- understand what's common amongst people, maybe seeing common threads that, that appear in novels, in business books, in, 
in other types of books, kind of seeing those common threads throughout. So I did, I did a episode a few, few episodes back where, where I talked about the genesis of this project, what, why I started it, um, what I've learned, some of the key takes, takeaways and, and that sort of thing. So I'll, I'll link to that in the show notes, but uh, just wanted to give a little, little background on, on this project if you are unfamiliar with it. So back to the book. First off, here are some epic quotes from Mere Christianity, ones that you, you may have heard, uh, ones that are, are quite famous as, as coming from this book. And the first one is this, if I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. End quote. That one, uh, that one that one's amazing. The next one is uh, a section that it's commonly known as Lord, Liar, or Lunatic. And I'll, I'm just going to read the paragraph here. I'm trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him. I'm ready to, to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who is merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level of a man who says he is a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come away with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. And quote the last one here. The son of God became a man to enable men to become sons of God. So now here are a few things that stuck out to me from this book. Some of, some of my, my favorite things from, from the book. And the first one is this, you cannot make men good by law. So here's the quote, uh, and, and this references uh, earlier in the episode here was saying how he, he starts the book out by, by, taking from the the moral the moral law kind of the natural law in in expanding from there so here here's the here's the quote you cannot make men good by law and without good men you cannot have a good society that is why we must go on to think of the second thing of morality inside the individual and this dovetails nicely into the second takeaway of uh, where he starts talking more about virtue and he says, even if you attempt virtue, it brings light, whereas indulgence brings fog. So this, this idea that evil is a corruption of good. You, you can't get good out of evil, but a corruption of the good is, is what evil is. So here, here's a, a few other quotes that, that maybe provide a little more light on that. Good people know about both good and evil. Bad people do not know about either. Those who are seriously attempting chastity are more conscious and soon know a great deal more about their own sexuality than anyone else. That's a really fascinating idea, and, and it's one reason I really like this book, because it starts with this discussion about natural law, the moral law, but then it goes into that first thing I mentioned of you cannot make men good by law, and without good men, you cannot have a good society. That's why we must go to think of the second thing of morality inside the individual. And, and Lewis takes these these big ideas and takes it down to the level of of you. What are you going to do with this 
information. What are you going to do with these ideas? It goes to the individual level and it goes to your level of, of choices that you need to make. And so it's, it's a powerful book in, in that sense. It's not just, here's these big ideas and, and good luck with those, but here's what this means for you. If these things, if these big ideas are true, if, if this logic holds and, and, and we're moving along this path, this has implications. What are you going to do with that? Now on to segment three and the one thing, my one key takeaway from this book. I'm just going to take a minute here to set up this one key takeaway. I talk a lot about daily habits on this podcast. It's something that comes up in book after book after book. The importance of daily habits, the power of them. Uh, in fact, this entire reading project is, is a practice of daily reading. And with that practice, I've been able to get through so many more books that I, than I ever was in the past when I didn't have a daily reading uh, habit. You may have daily habits in exercise or y- your work, maybe your diet. But Lewis takes this idea of daily habits and, and takes it to a different level. And, and here's how he does that. And, and here's a quote. Now, there are a good many things which would not be worth bothering about if I were only going to live for 70 years but which I had better bother about very seriously if I'm going to live forever. Another part of the book, he talks about progress. And he says this, If you are on the wrong road, progress means doing an about turn and walking back to the right road. And in that case, the man who turns back soonest is the most progressive man. So if we combine those two ideas, if you are going to be living forever, And if you are on the wrong road, progress is going to mean turning to get on on the right road. And the way that's going to appear is through through virtue. virtue Virtues may be required on earth, but they will make us into the type of people that we need to be to enjoy heaven. And that's really where Lewis takes the, the discussion of virtues. Courage, uh, he goes through some of the cardinal virtues, and those may be good things on earth. You may, you know, people may think of you highly or, or something like that. Uh, it may get you, move you up in the world if you, if you have those virtues. But Lewis says God is not solely interested in those virtues being for what's required on earth, but for, for us to be made into the type of people that would need that we would need to be to enjoy heaven, and so I I started thinking about that, and and Lewis calls those types of habits soul habits, and he combi- uh, contrasting those with with daily habits. So I think of daily habits, and and I think of those as being the habits that make me more productive, uh, maybe more successful. But what if what if we're on the wrong road with some of those daily habits? What if they're actually making us into a worse person? What if my productivity or my desire to be more productive is actually taking away from loving my neighbor more or loving my wife and my kids 
the way I should. That's where Lewis gets into these soul habits, the things that, the virtues that make us into the type of people that we would need to be to enjoy heaven. And he says, these are not necessarily the type of things that you can just conjure up yourself. They, it's something that needs to be done inside of you to change. And, and this is where Lewis will go in and, and, and say that this is what Jesus does in someone's heart, changes the heart, does that thing with progress to get you on the, the right road. And so to the casual observer, it may look like, uh, you know, if you're, if you're going the wrong way and then you do an about face, it may look it, it may actually look like you're going backwards when in fact you are progressing where you're, you're becoming the type of person you would need to be that to live forever. So I want to read a few other quotes that, uh, that are along these lines. And the first is, is about virtue. This is, this is a long paragraph. So stick with me here. We might think that the virtues were necessary only for this present life. That in the other world, we could stop being just because there is nothing to quarrel about and stop being brave because there is no danger. Now, it is quite true that there will probably be no occasion for just or courageous acts in the next world, but there will be every occasion for being the sort of people that we can become only as the result of doing such acts here. The point is not that God will refuse you admission to his eternal world if you have not got certain qualities of character. The point is that if people have not got at least the beginnings of those qualities inside them, then no possible external conditions would, could make a heaven for them. That is, could make them happy with the deep, strong, unshakable kind of happiness God's, God intends for us. Another quote here. I would much rather say that every time you make a choice, you are turning the central part of you, the part of you that chooses into something a little different from what it was before. What they are always thinking of is the mark which the action leaves on that tiny central self, which no one sees in this life, but which each of us will have to endure or enjoy forever. And this idea of uh, each choice, kind of getting into daily choices, but, but referring to them more as, as soul habits of each choice, each decision leading towards one way or another. And, and not only that, but just even a choice, making another choice further down the road, easier or harder. So if you take the easy route on one choice today that no one may ever know about, maybe it's just you at home by yourself doing that choice. If you make the wrong choice, that will have ramifications for other choices. But also this idea of the, the last quote, they're always thinking of is the mark which that action leaves on the tiny central self, which no one sees in this life, but which each of us will have to endure or enjoy forever. Two more quotes here. The next one. Good and evil both increase at compound interest. Good and evil both increase at compound interest. That's pretty fascinating. And then the last one here is where he does talk about the, the habits of the soul. Never mind. After each failure, ask forgiveness. Pick yourself up and try again. Very often... What God first helps us towards is not the virtue itself, but just this power of always trying again. 
For however important chastity or courage or truthfulness or any other virtue may be, this process trains us in habits of the soul, which are more important still. So that's my one key takeaway. I, I, moving past this idea of, of daily habits, uh, which, which may put us on the wrong path, but, but thinking, expanding that into what are, what are the soul habits? What, how, how do I need to be changed from the inside out to become the type of person that I would need to be to enjoy heaven, to enjoy living forever? So to recap, this is a powerful book, packs a punch. It's relatively short. It's had a huge impact on my life. It's had a huge impact on many lives. Many consider this to, to be Lewis's greatest, greatest work. And it's one you should give a try. If, if, you're, if you don't know what Christians believe, which the, kind of the top level things that Christians believe, this is, this is a good start. If, if you're just interested in, in seeing this, this progression of, of taking things from a, from a moral law and, and taking, taking it from there and what that would mean for you on an individual level, this is a really challenging book in, in that sense. I, I encourage you to give it a shot. Uh, I, I just absolutely love this book and I look forward to reading it again throughout the, the rest of my life. All right, that's going to do it for this episode. Before I sign off, just a reminder that you can now share your own reading list on the Books of Titans website by going to booksoftitans.com forward slash my books. You can also follow Books of Titans on Instagram or Twitter at Books of Titans. And if you haven't already done so, you can subscribe to this podcast and find all of our past episodes through iTunes, the Android Marketplace, or your podcast manager of choice. If you're enjoying the podcast, please give it a a five-star rating on iTunes and share your favorite episodes on social media. I'll be back next week with another book. And until then, keep reading, keep learning, and keep listening. I'm out.